All right. So, you guys remember what I talked about last week? <laughs> Jordan said nope. So, okay, we'll just move on from there because nobody else knows. Um, so, uh, we talked about living in the valley. Sometimes you're in the valley and it's a, it's a moment where you're going to be there, but it's a, it's a time to uh, retool, rework, um, readjust how you're doing things in life so we can be prepared to go to the mountain because the mountain is not is the where we want to be, but it takes a lot to get there. And the valley is a place that we can, we can sometimes it's rest, sometimes it, it's work, sometimes it's, it's whatever it is, sometimes it's our character growth. And God's saying, hey, I need you to grow your character and get the right tools because you're not going to be able to go to the mountain and up the mountain without the right tools. That's why Moses didn't come out of Egypt and then immediately go to the mountain and then come back. God was working on him. It's funny because when God works on people, he always gives them sheep. I mean, he, he, David, um, you know, uh, Moses, all these guys had sheep and God was using them to teach them something because, you know, you got a hundred sheep, you got to go figure out and have some patience to go find them. But um, so that mountaintop is where we want to be, but there's times where we're in the valley and that's God working through us. But what I, I really want you guys to remember is this, is when we're at a certain po- point of climbing that mountain, we look down in the valley and go, oh, look at that person down there. Do not pass judgment on that person. That person is in that valley, but that is their mountaintop at some point. Because like I said, New Orleans is eight feet below water. Maybe 10 months ago, they were drowning in that water. And now they're in the valley, but it's, it's, it's hundreds of feet higher than what they were. So at that moment, that is their mountaintop. And they're getting higher and growing and growing. So God is bringing them through that. So at every moment, you, you could be at your mountaintop. But God is always going to bring you to the next level if you allow him to allow him to work in your life. So we, we get to talk today, um, and this is a touchy subject for some people because um, it's tough because sometimes we don't know God's will. We can never understand the full will of God because we're not God. We don't, we don't know exactly what he's thinking, exactly what he's doing, but there are areas in our life that we know the complete will of God for our life. And we can say, this is God's will for us. And what I really want to talk to you guys about today is, I'm going to go over this for a couple moments here, is three foundational truths. And these first three are, is God is a good God. And we all said amen to that, because he is a good God. If you don't think he's a good God, you need to meet my God. Um, the second one is this, is he still heals today. He still heals today. And the second one is, is this, is he wants you healed. It's not just, well, if God's will is it for, for me to be healed. No, he wants you healed. His choice is for you to be healed. Yeah. It's not, well, if, if I pray and it happens, then it, it, great. If it, if it doesn't happen, then it must not be God's will. No, it is not that way. It is God's will for you to be healed. Amen. So I want you to write those down. If you haven't wrote them down, if you know them already, write them again. Those three things I need you to hold on to because they will help you in the foundation of what we're going to talk about today. So we all know, we know now that healing is God's will for our life. Does it happen when we expect it to? Sometimes no. Does it happen when we want it to and how we want it to? No. We all should know by now God doesn't work how we want. He works how he does, and we have to adapt to how he, want, he works. So, but God wants us well. 
but he also shows us there in the Bible that there will be times of trial and there will be times of hardship. And sometimes our healing is a journey to walk through and not just, oh, I, I prayed, somebody laid hands on me and, and I was instantly healed. Sometimes God's like, okay, you're going to walk through this. You're going to walk through areas in your life that you're dealing with sickness, you're dealing with issues, but God's like, I'm going to walk you through this because no matter what, God's will for us is not to be sick, but God can use sickness not that he gives it to us. It is a curse of the enemy. It's a curse of a fallen world. But he can use sickness to, to work through our lives and help change us to a point where we can receive from him in a greater way. Yeah. But he, uses, he, he can use sickness for our good. He says all things work together for our good who love him. So sickness can work out in our, in our benefit because it becomes a testimony in our lives. Yeah. So we can go through sickness and come out on the other end and say, man, that was a long journey, but God's like, look at the testimony that you have for that time. Look at what I've done in your life through that time, and then you've got your healing. So James 1, we talked about this last week, it says, my brothers, when you are going through trials, tribulations, and hard times, you can have exceeding joy. In the Passion Translation, it says overflowing joy, excessive joy in your trial." And that's hard, especially when you're sick. It's hard. Last year, I was sick three times. It was about two and a half months of sickness. And that's tough when you go through that because you're, oh, I'm, I'm getting better. And then, you know, two weeks later, you're, you're sick again or something else happens. So there's times where it will keep rolling and keep rolling. Life happens, sickness will happen, and, and the enemy will attack but you can have joy through that time. You can have joy through that trial of having to go to the doctor, having to take medication, having to go to the treatments, whatever you're going through, you can take joy in it that God's going to work it out for your good at the end. But what happens is, is when we get a negative report, what happens? We all know what happens. Our minds are like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, where am I going to go? It's like a dog chasing its tail. You're like, you know, at first, and then we have to stop. We calm ourselves. We say, okay, this is a negative report. But if we let our minds wander, we become that dog chasing its tail. You know, fear, hopelessness, despair can come in. But what we have to do is we have to center ourselves and say, okay, sickness is here. I'm not going to deny it. Here's the thing. Healing is not denying sicknesses in your body. If you deny, well, nope, I'm not sick. I'm, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. You have to say, okay, yes, there is sickness here, but I know my God is greater. I know the blood of Jesus is greater than what the sickness that is in my body right now. Do you hold on to it and claim it? Well, this is just my sickness and this is my sickness. No, absolutely not. You, talk, you, you have to think of sickness as like a sliver in your hand. Anybody got a metal sliver ever? You get the tiniest metal sliver and within a day, your hand is infected. But do you say, oh, this is my metal sliver. I'm just going to hold on to it. No, you don't. So why do we claim um, ailments and, and physical sickness as, oh, well, this is my sickness and I'm going to hold on to it. We, if we do that, it becomes part of us. It becomes who we are. It becomes our belief system. Yeah. 
And what happens is, is if we, if we let our mind wander, we start to think about all the people who we know that have lost a battle with, with, with a disease or have passed away early because of something. And we're like, oh my gosh, I hope I'm not like this person. And they passed away when they were, you know, I, I worked with this guy and he's like, well, my dad died at 60 and, and, and my, his, my, his dad died at 60 and I'm probably going to die at 62. I said, well, yeah, because you just allowed your heart to believe that and it is now your life map. You have now mapped out your course because that's what you believe. That's what you have spoken into your existence. That's what you've told your children. If I told my children, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die at 60 every, every year, they're going to believe that and they're, they're start to partner with the belief system I have. So when you let fear in, when you start to, to, to look at the doubt and say, well, you know, my dad had this and they had this and oh my gosh, I'm going to have this. What happens is you start to speak that. And it starts to become who you are. It starts to become your, uh, a story that you begin, begin to tell people. You ever heard that person? They just come up to you and they're like, well, my dad had this, my mom had this, I got this, blah, blah, blah. And then what happens is that becomes them. If I kept continually telling people that, they're going to partner with me because they're going to start to believe it. But what happens is when we're, when we're uh, believers and we believe in, the, in the, the blood of Jesus and what he did on the cross for us, we can start to say, this is my story. My God died for me. His blood was shed for me and his blood is poured out over me so sickness does not have to be in my body. That becomes our story. When he died on the cross and his blood was shed, that became our story. But we have to choose the story that we tell. We can't do, well, you know, I got bursitis, my mama had bursitis, and, and you know, my lower back pains, and, and you know, they had this disease and this disease, and okay, what story do you want? Do you want a, sto- you want a life of sickness, or do you want a life of my Redeemer, who redeemed me from the curse of the law of sickness and death, paid for my healing? So the first word that comes out of your mouth is crucial. What are you going to say when the doctor gives you that report? What are you going to say? Well, yep, that's my report, but what does my God say? What words will you speak? Will they be life? Or will they be words of doubt? Will, that be, will they be, my Redeemer lives and His blood was shed for me and it flows through my veins? Yeah. Or it will be, well, I had a relative who died of this and my parents suffered from this. And, you know, I, it's a family. I, I love when they, um, people tell me or when I go to the doctor or go to the, any, any um, you know, any kind of history of family illness, I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> Whether it's there or not, I go, no. Because you know what? There's been history, a family history, but you know what? It's been sporadic of different diseases. So if I say, well, my dad had this, my mom had this, my grandpa had this, and they had this, I'm like, oh, okay, well, we got to look for all of this in you. So I'm giving the enemy footholds to, in my mind of, well, they had this, 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 and this, and I have to say no. I'm not going to, to take up what my family and what the doctors have said is my report or what the family history is. I'm, I'm not saying you de- deny everything, but if my, you know, well, my dad had a high blood pressure. Well, well, they can go look for it. Yeah, it's from drinking Diet Pepsi like two, li- two, two liters a day. It, it's not because it's, it's a natural thing. It's because he didn't take care of himself. So if I just tell him, yeah, well, he had high blood pressure. Oh, well, we got to get you checked. We got to get this. 
Exactly. They're, they're looking for reasons to do it. And, and what happens is, is as soon as we have a, a, an object that is in our view of, well, he had high blood pressure, but why did he have high blood pressure? Was he not taking care of himself? But we, we claim all these things as our, as our own, and, and we allow people to put them on us instead of saying, no, 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 that's not how it goes. We're not going to, you're not going to say that about my health. You can say it, and I can read the report, and in my body, it may be a fact, but the truth is stronger than what the fact is. Amen. So, in just a moment, um, Nicole's going to come up, and um, I'm just going to let her tell her story for a couple moments here, but um, it's going to be good, and it, it's, it's a definite sign of where God brings people when they, when they allow faith to come into their hearts and, and allow God to really take and change their story. So, Nicole, come on up. Well, good morning. Um, As most of you all know, I do have a five-year-old son. His name is Remington. If you haven't met Remington yet, stay five minutes after service. You'll see him running around with a cookie, trying to trip Lana, or trying to wrestle with Zach. I'm almost positive of it. Anyways, um, with Remington, I was a single mom, and I was living at home with my mom, and I had come to the realization I worked with kids my entire life. I'd known this. My son was not normal. I knew that, okay, where's his first words? He's nine months old. Why isn't he saying anything? I came across, I kept going, kept waiting, and I kept waiting. And it didn't ever happen. Finally, we started slowly getting some words here and there, very rarely, very sporadic. So we called early on, had them come on into our house, and they observed him and they decided, okay, he has apraxia, which is not a big deal. We'll send them, we'll do speech therapy with a group of kids that have these same speech issues. They might have some other developmental delays. We'll do this once a week with this, with these kids. They get a, a kick out of each other. They're with other kids anyway. It's perfect. So he started doing that, and um, we also started coming to Revive at that time, and, you know, <laughs> he gave some of these girls some, some fun all day. But um, <laughs> he, he was using sign language. That was our primary way. At 18 months, he was mostly sign language with a few, a few mamas here and a few mamas there. But pretty soon we started getting more and more words every day, and it just kept getting better and better. But we realized that he had some OCD-like tendencies. He had sensory issues, and we could all see that. Um, it was finally recommended that we get um, that we get tested for autism spectrum disorder. At about three, he was diagnosed officially through the educational school district with autism spectrum disorder. At that point, society says, you need to go and get him diagnosed through um, his doctor so that way we can get, you guys can get disability money, you can get money to pay for therapies, and you guys can get this, and you guys can get that. My option was no. I'm not going to get him diagnosed through that. I don't want that record on him for the rest of his life. My child's going to be raised normal. He is going to be a normal childhood. He's going to have a normal adult life. That's what he is designed for. That's what's going to happen, and I knew that. So from here, we said many prayers, and we had some decrees over his life. He's going to be a leader. He's going to be going, shooting forward through everything, and we all know that. We've had many prayers here and there and through it all. We have done plenty of prayers over him in different aspects of things, and things just kept getting easier and easier every day. He um, still you know, is that fun-loving, rambunctious boy and does everything that he can be. But like I said, these strange ladies, we walked in, and they could sense, hey, 
there's some an issue, sensory issues going on with this kid. Like I said, they noticed our first time here. Anybody that worked with children noticed their first time here. <laughs> but as we went on, we kept going. We had an autism spectrum disorder specialist with um, NC Risa. But over the summer, I had gotten married. So we had switched from Nuevo County Resources over to Oceana County Resources. And he started preschool this year. The, pre, the, the autism spectrum disorder specialist for Oceana County came in to observe him. After this observation all day long, she sends the she sends an email to his teacher. Was I observing the right kid? Was Remington wearing the cowboy boots? I don't see any signs of autism in this kid. I can see where he's got speech issues. We need to keep continuing him in his speech. But I think I'm going to be very hands-off for autism disorder. If you need any questions, if she has any questions or issues, come to me. She didn't have to insert herself into this situation because God already did. That's what happens when you give it to God. That's what happens when you have uh, believers that will surround you and say, you know what? No, we, we see what the fact is, but we don't know what we're believing, what the truth is. Um, and, you know, if you... It, I remember the first time I met him, and it was mm, it was mostly grunt. It was it was an mm, grunt, and he would sign, and he would and he would get frustrated, and when he had to sign, and you know Nicole would be like, "You need to tell me what you need," and he would get so frustrated, and, and to see him for the last three and a half four years um, has been amazing because now he walks up to you and he's having a conversation with you, and and that's the power of of, of what God does in people's lives. And we can believe for ourselves, but we can also believe for other people. If they can't believe for themselves, if they don't know how to believe for themselves, it's for, you, for your children. If, you, if they can't believe for themselves when they're younger, you believe for them because that is, that's the right you have as their, as their parent to do that. Um, but the moment we saw him, we're like, you know what? No, this is, this is not what the enemy is going to do for the rest of his life. You know, my wife it, being in the school for 10 years was like, no, absolutely not. She's, you know, she was like, yeah, I just go to school and bind demons and tell them to get off and teach the kids how to say, get out of here, leave me alone. And um, when you have a three or four year old laying on their cot and they get up and say, leave me alone. And then they go back to normal and go back to sleep. That, that's what, that's the power that God has given us. So we can have doubt. It's all going to be bad. I don't know what I'm going to do, or we can, have, we can believe what life is. He says, I have come to give you life, and life more abundantly. But the enemy comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. So, I like the first one. Life and life more abundantly. It, it, it's an easy choice. But when sickness comes, it's a moment where we can get excited. And, that, and it sounds weird because we're so used to, you know, they come home with the paper and the doctor calls, well, your labs came back and they didn't look good and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what do I do? It's a moment that you can get excited and it's contrary to what the world tells you to do because you're at that moment, you can say, you know what? I get to stand in faith. You get to see what Jesus does and that he loves to heal people. 
It's a moment that you can display God's glory when you're going through that. At the end, you can say, man, it's the glory of God. It's the healing of my body, and it's for God's glory. It's for his kingdom and his honor that we're seeing this. You get to say, man, look what my God did for me. Look at what he did in my body. Look what he did in in my son. Look what he did in my daughter. Look what he's done and what he continues to do. You know, 10 years from now, we're going to look at Remington and go, He's, there's no sign of what was going on. We're seeing what God is doing. And as he grows, God will continue to, to work in his life and to continue to change him into what he wants him to be. Amen. So you can be down. Oh, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Or you can get excited and say, God is going to do something amazing. It's going to be his name is going to be known when he is done with this. You get an opportunity to see the negative report is a chance for God to do big things in your life. You get to stand in faith that you build. So my suggestion to you is this, is don't wait for sickness to come upon you to say, oh, well, I got to find, got to go to Google and I got to find every scripture on healing. Do not wait for that. Uh, We taught our youth group 10 years ago, 12 years ago, we taught them what it means to be healed. And we said, you know what? Get scriptures in your Bible. And I guarantee you some of these kids that are here today that were there 10 years ago still have scriptures in their Bible or little notes for healing because we taught them. Carry those with you because you never know when you're going to need them. And always be with that. Always be looking at that and, and have those with you because it's a, it's, a, it's a building of a foundation of faith in God that healing is not, well, I got to find, oh, you know, I'm going to go to the back of the Bible, look in H, and I'm going to find stuff that says healing. And, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know where to go for healing. And I know, don't wait for that. We have to be prepared for situations that may arise in our life. Don't be caught blindsided or off guard when something comes into your life. You may not be fully prepared, but to have a seed of faith for healing is the start. Better to have a seed than nothing at all. The great thing is, is when you are in a, a body of believers that are, care about you, when you start to go through that, they're not just be like, oh, brother, sister, I feel so bad for you. We'll be praying for you. No, you get to br- they get to come around you and they get to lay hands on you and they get to believe with you, partner your faith with God's faith and, and, and bring their faith into it and say, you know, no, we're going to believe for healing. So what you need to do is you don't go into sickness and go, well, I, I don't really know the details of it. They just said I'm sick and this is it. Find out what you're dealing with. Find out your enemy. You need to know your enemy to fight your enemy. Because if you don't know what it is, how are you going to combat? So, healing is, is, in a lot of churches, a touchy subject because, well, you know, hey, it says in the Bible that we are healed, but we really don't believe it's for physical stuff. We just believe it's like emotional stuff or mental stuff or, you know, I've had those excuses. People talk to me, you know, Older, wiser gentlemen try to come up to me that have been, you know, you know, I've been born again for 40 years, and they try to tell me what, you know, what that actually meant. And I'm like, yeah, that's nice. I'm like, good for you. I'm glad you believe that way because, yeah, that's not working for me. 
So Isaiah 53 says, says, Indeed, who would ever believe it? Who would possibly accept that we, been told, who has witnessed the awesome power and plan of the eternal action, our emptiness, he came like a tender shoot from a rock-hard ground. He didn't look like anything beyond consequence. He had no physical beauty. So he was despised and forsaken by men. This man of suffering, griefs, patient friend. And I'm going to skip down. It says in uh, verse 4 says, or excuse me, verse 5 says, he was hurt because of us. He suffered so for our wrongdoing. And we, and we crushed him. Our sin is what crushed him. He endured the breaking that made us whole. Injuries he suffered became our healing. Our sin crushed him. Everybody's like, oh, he was rejected by God and God was punishing him. No, God was not punishing him. Our sin that he took and he gladly put it on himself crushed him. It, 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 it bruised him. And because of that, our healing is possible. In the uh, ESV version, it says this. It says, Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement of our peace. A lot of times we read that, but we don't read the O-U-R part of it. It wasn't God's sorrows. It was our sorrows. It was our iniquities. It was our sin that caused that. But he gladly took that and he gladly bore that. And because of him, O-U-R is now healed. Our healing is because of Jesus Christ. What he suffered allowed us to be healthy and whole. He went to hell and suffered for us so we wouldn't have to. He was bruised for our iniquities. The sin that we ever committed was poured upon him. You know, so when we get that report, when we get the, that fact that, that says, well, you're sick. You know, that doctor's call, that, that you know, note, that, that piece of paper, that, that moment you're sitting in the doctor's office. The truth is greater than the report. How many of you guys know this? Fact is not truth. Amen. Well, I have, a, I have a fun fact for you. It may not be the truth. That seventy percent of of seventy percent of you are not listening right now. That's that, that's not the truth. I know you guys are listening. The truth is greater than the report. The doctor's report that comes back and says this, this, and this is wrong with you. This, this, and this is wrong with your your child. This is this is wrong with your your um, your spouse. Is not the truth. The truth is greater than the report. The truth is greater than, than what is in our body because the truth is that his blood was shed for our healing. Modern medicine and doctors are definitely a gift from God. I'm telling you that right now because there are times when we need to go to the doctor. There are times when we do need to take medication because our faith is not there and there's sometimes where our mind is not ready to, to line up with that and there's other times where our mind is sick and sometimes we need doctors 
and medication to help us. I'm not putting down doctors. I'm not saying don't go to doctors. Go to your doctor. Do the normal doctor stuff. But when the report comes, what are you going to, what are you going to say? There's times where you will take medication because you need to recover. There's times where you will take medication because it is good for you to take it at that moment because you're not, you're, you aren't able to fight. You know, it, it's like getting in a, a really bad car accident, being completely messed up and saying, well, you know, I'm not going to take any of these medications to, get, to take away the pain, to keep infection down because I'm just going to believe that God's going to heal me. But you're so, in so much pain that you can't focus on anything but the pain. So don't, if you, you know, if you're dealing with something, you're taking medication, don't be ashamed of that because there's times where we need to do that, but God can heal us too. So we don't need to take that for the rest of our lives. Sometimes we mistake the facts for truth though. Sometimes we, we, we mistake that, that note for this is the final word on it. And it's not that way. The fact is you're diagnosed with a disease, but the truth is, is Jesus died for all disease. So you, what you have, or what you don't have, what you may have eventually is not, is not the final word. It's not the, well, this is just how it's going to be. No, it's absolutely not. We, we, we have to, to, to get some... Um, we have to start to, to look at sickness and say, well, you know... So many times we're so lackadaisical about it, but we have to get some, some stamina and say, no, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to sit here and, and let it happen to this. You know, there, there's been times where I've been sick. I've had, you know, um, I had a, um, last year, I had an open wound that was open for three and a half months. And, and we're not talking like a, a little tiny little slice. We're talking something you could fit a mar- almost a marker into. And it was, and I'm like, I'm struggling with it. And I'm, I'm like, okay, God, what do you, I, I believe it. And then I'm just like, okay, God, I know you're going to take care of it. One day I'm like, I look at it, I'm like, oh, it's gone. It's completely closed up. I'm like, but yesterday, it, I don't remember it being that way. But, but God works in such a way. I'm like, I might, I might just have to go get stitches on it and get it closed up because I'm, I'm having issues with it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I'm like, God, I've been sick. This is like the third time I was sick. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, I'm like, I can't keep going to the doctor. I mean, he's loving my, my uh, wallet right now. I might as well just hand it to him. And I'm like, God, you just, I said, you need to take care of this. And that sounds kind of demanding. But I think we as children, we have the right to go to, to our father and say, God, you need to take care of this. We, we don't, so many times where we, we walk up to God and say, We, we walk up to God and like, I, will you heal me? I need you to heal me. I need, you, I need your help right now. That, we have to get some courage. We have to get some, some boldness to walk up to God and say, God, I need you to take care of this right now. Yeah. I, I need you to heal me right now. And, and it may not be immediate, but we have to go before him and have boldness to come to his throne and say, hey, your son paid for this. Jesus is sitting next to him and it's like, he paid for this. His blood covers me. Then I need this. 
If we are born again, we are the children of God. That means we have the right to go up into his refrigerator and get out of his refrigerator and go into his table. David says he sets a table before me in the presence of my enemy. And that table is not just, oh, there's food. No, that is healing. That is long life. There are things from his table that we hold on to. You know, Jesus is preaching and the woman says, well, can I have some of that? And Jesus says, no, this is for his children. But she, she says, but even the dogs get the scraps from the table. And what she's talking about is chil- the children's bread. And the children's bread is healing. If you look in the Bible, it says that the healing is the children's bread. So we have the right to go up to the table and take bread off the table and say, this is my healing and I have it. And we have to be bold to do it. Take a moment and be reminded when, if, if sickness does come, take a moment to remind yourself of what God has done in your life, the healing that he has done, but remind your sickness what God is going to do to that. Think about the testimonies of people that you've heard. Remind yourself, start to refresh yourself on, on what he, the, the scripture says about healing. We, we, if we're not prepared for it, Dive into it head first. If you are prepared for it, refresh yourself, remind yourself. If you're going through sickness, find testimonies on healing. Talk to people who have gone through it. Say, God, what was your testimony? Tell me about this. I'm going through this. I need to know what, what you went through. How did you do this? Because they can partner with you, they can give you a plan of action, and they can help you to increase your faith. And I said, well, you know what, I was just going through this, and and this is really what I just started to speak over my life. The people around you that have been sick can give you pointers and say, this is what was going on in my life, and this is how I dealt with it, and this is what God did in my life. Encourage yourself, build yourself up in the testimonies of healing. But celebrate, when you're sick, celebrate with those who have been healed. Sometimes you just want to have a little pity party and like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to talk to anybody because they're healed and I'm not. And it's like, no. You celebrate what God has done with the people who are, who are well and you rely on them to come alongside you and to pray with you. And then again, be positive. Your attitude will determine your altitude is what I talked about last week. Your attitude when you go through things, how you respond to your sickness, your sickness is not true. How you respond to sickness. If you respond, well, it's my sickness and I'm just sick. And, um, you know, and my sickness says this and my doctor says this about my sickness and my, uh, you know, my cancer. I've heard people say that. Well, my cancer and my, you know, I'm like, so you, you, you literally went out and paid for cancer. Now you own it. Like, so... You went out, got cancer, said, this is my cancer. You can't have my cancer. I've got it. I'm holding it on for myself. Think about that. You've claimed, you've literally taken ownership of something that is going to kill you. Do you want to take ownership? That's like buying a rabid dog and laying down next to it and go, here, here, puppy. There's no difference between that and, and and saying, well, this is my cancer. It, when you start to say, well, this is my cancer, it's like putting your, putting your head inside of the mouth of a lion and you go, oh, he's friendly. He ain't going to worry about it. You're literally holding on to say, this is my death. 
This is my destruction. This is the, my body fading away. No, you say, no, this is not my disease. This is a report, and my, the truth is, is the cancer is not going to win. The sickness is not going to win. Refuse to come into agreement. Refuse to come into agreement. You understand the diagnosis, but refuse to come into, well, you might have this long to live. I had a friend, and he passed away when Layla was about three. Was it three? Oh, yeah, you're about, I'm sorry. Um, he, it was, he was, she was one. Um, he was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. I mean, literally, it was holes in his arms and legs and bones. And, I mean, it was, it was bad. And they said, you have about 10 days to live. You need to get everything together. Talk to your family. And um, he was like 50, I think he was like 51 when he passed. But he lived five years from the moment they said, you have 10 days to live. And he's like, no, I will not. He goes, I will see my children raised. I will see my kids out of the house. The only reason he went home, he said, you know what? I'm just tired of fighting it. He just said, I'm ready to go home. And he said, I've I've run my race. He goes, I'm ready to leave. But he said, you know what? He could have, if, if he said, well, the doctors say I have 10 days, he would have lived 10 days. You ever met somebody or heard about somebody, they get a diagnosis and the doctor's like, you have six months to live. And to that day, boom, they are done. Or they have a couple of weeks to live, they are done. And you know what? We can refuse to have that. We can take and say, you know what? No, he lived five years. Five years out of a 10-day diagnosis. Because he stood on faith and he said, you know what? No, I'm not going to let this beat me. I'm not going to let it take it. He got to see all of his kids graduate. And he got to see his son help his wife and make sure that he was, she was taken care of. And, and, I've, and, and you can take that diagnosis and say, you know, well, I'm just going to, I got 10 days to live. I'm just going to live it up real quick for the next 10 days. No, you can fight it and say, no, I refuse. I refuse to bow down to sickness. I refuse to bow down and let it be my master. I refuse to take ownership of my sickness. No, sickness is not yours. It is the enemy's. It is not a gift. It is a curse. It is not something that you want to freely accept, open up the package, go, oh, look, it's sickness. Thank you. Do not own it. People, I'm terminally ill. When they say that, or I've had this for a long time, this is going to be a long healing process for me. I'm not going to be able to do this. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Strengthen yourself in His Word. If we own it, we agree with the problem. Don't be in denial about it. That there is something going on, but don't own it. Denial is not faith. I had this one guy that I, and he's like, he's sick. And I'm, oh, no, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. It wasn't faith. It was just denial. And he walked around like it was faith. And I'm like, faith and denial have nothing in common. 
Denial is, I'm going to be ignorant to the problem, pretend it's not there. Denial of, of sickness is basically, I'm going to put a blindfold off and I'm just going to keep walking and whatever happens, happens. Faith is, I'm going to know what's going on and I'm going to fight it. I'm going to take hold of what God has and I'm going to fight it, not, well, I, I'm just going to deny it. They're going to deny it into the grave. When you get a report, look at the report and say, look at the bottom and say, oh, tell your doctor that you're just missing something. And the doctor goes, what? He say, well, it doesn't say what God says at the bottom of this. Amen. Because what God's word says, it is finished. God's word is final, not the doctor's note, not the doctor's diagnosis. You're, the doctor's probably going to look at you when you, like you're crazy. But say, but God hasn't finished writing the rest of this note. God hasn't finished writing the rest of this story. Because when I walk through sickness, God is writing my story so I don't have to be like, well, you know, I just, sickness, you know, I don't really know what's going on and I'm just sick and... No, let God write your story. Follow His lead in sickness because He's going to walk you through it. But when you just, well, I don't know, I just hope God works out. You're writing your own story. You're leading yourself through sickness. Let God lead you through the hard times. David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear what? No evil. So if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and you don't think cancer or a, a, a terminal disease is not evil, then you need to have a conversation with God because God will lead you through that. He will walk you through that hand in hand, sometimes carrying you because you will do that. But when you get a diagnosis, if you get a diagnosis, gather together with your family. And I don't mean your relatives, I mean your family of God. Because they will help come into agreement and fight what is going on and come into agreement to battle what is going on in your life. And they will celebrate with you when you get good reports and they will celebrate with you when the healing comes and they will rejoice in the testimony that comes when the healing is final. Let's pray.